Welcome to another episode of Who's Right and Who's Wrong. I am your host, DeAndre Johnson, and we have an animated football Sunday and Saturday, but particularly Saturday, all the college teams that are supposed to win have won. And Sunday, this caused a lot of nail biters at the end and also injuries that change the team seasons. And I'm gonna begin with my hometown Chicago Bears just to you know get this out the way. We got our first win of the season and we score our first touchdown of the season. We beat the Denver Broncos 16-14 with uh, Eddie Pinero big three yard field goal that had lit the Bears past the Broncos. Now Eddie Pinero, perfect so far. 4 for 4 had hit his career high, 53 yarder, with the clock at triple zero at the end of regulation. And Bears fans have every right to be excited about the new field goal kicker. Now, I put it like this we were in Denver, so any average field goal kicker can kick in Denver. We see Jason Elon, we see now, Brandon McManus, a lot of these guys who had kicked for the Broncos, you kick you a 60-yarder with ease at Denver than any other stadium. So I'm not trying to take any credit away for A. Panera because 53 yards is still 53 yards. And he's a very young kicker with not a lot of experience. So starting off in the first quarter, Bronx went up 3-0 with Brandon McManus' 43-yard field goal. Eddie Pinero in the second quarter tied the game up with a 40-yarder and put the Bears ahead with a 52-yarder field goal. Halftime, 6-3 Chicago. In the third quarter, David Montgomery had leap and stretch over with a one-yard touchdown run, his first career touchdown in the NFL. Put the Bears up 13-3. Brandon McManus in the fourth quarter with a 32-yard field goal decreased the Bears' lead by 7, 13-6. Emmanuel Sanders with a 7-yard touchdown grab by Joe Flacco was a great throw by Flacco. Only Emmanuel Sanders could catch the ball, and Emmanuel Sanders is known to come down with big plays. He's clutch. And not only top of that, Vic Vangio, the former Chicago Bears defense coordinator, now first-time head coach for the Denver Broncos, Went for a two-point conversion, and Joe Flacco, clutch again, hit Emmanuel Sanders off an out route for the two-point conversion. Now, the probability for the Bears to win that game was way below, about 5%. It was only 30 seconds left uh, for the Bears to get down to field goal position. But the first play of the drive, Mr. Trubisky was... Hit by Bradley Chubb. I disagree with the call, but it was a pass, roughing the passer, and that moved the chain 15 yards down the field. The um, couple plays later, we couldn't, um, you know, catch a break. We couldn't catch the ball. You know, Tyree Cohen had to drop a meaningful pass. Then fourth down and 10 yards. The Bears need to, um, get a first down at least, and call a timeout. It was only nine seconds left. So Trubisky, I was afraid he was holding on to the ball a little bit too long, but he finally found Allen Robinson down the middle. Allen Robinson was very aware, caught the ball, found the nearest Bronco defender, and gave up himself. Trubisky, very aware, called a timeout. Soon as Robinson had gave himself up. You thought the clock went down to triple zero, but actually it was only one second left. Maybe less than one second left. Who knows if you want to be very accurate. Then that's when Eddie Pinero had hit his longest field goal of his young career. 53-yarder beat the Broncos. And our offense still looked like crap, ladies and gentlemen. The Bears offense still, you know... They, we are missing a playmaker. I think Anthony Miller is that guy 
but he's going to have to continue to work his way back in. He missed a lot of time during the preseason and training camp with an injury. Tariq Cohen, you know, he's just very inconsistent and just mind-boggling. You make one big play, then the next few plays, you just, you know, either give us negative yards or you dropping passes. You know, very inconsistent. And Tariq Cohen, you know, we thought that he would have a bigger role in this offense since we had moved along from Jordan Howard. But Tariq Cohen was benefiting from Jordan Howard a lot. Jordan Howard was a great rusher for the Bears. He was. He just didn't fit that offense, system with Matt Nagy. And Tariq Cohen is not a guy where I could trust him touching the ball at least 10 times. A little bit better, but there's a couple plays, a few plays, at, rather, that he left on the field. Allen Robinson was going against a great defense. Chris Harris was shouting him, but when it capped the most, Allen Robinson was there to make that cut grab to get the Bears in field goal position. I think he's back to form after spending all last season trying to get back into game shape after he tore his ACL while with the Jacksonville Jaguars in 2017. Then Mitchell Trubisky, oh, it will be you know a couple throws each game where it's an Aaron throw where he's somebody like you know what you thinking. But overall, he played a good game, and I think Matt Nagy did a better job in protecting his quarterback. Matt Nagy did a better job noticing that Dave Montgomery need to touch the ball. He need at least 15 to 20 touches. And that's what he did. You know, David Montgomery, he had finished the game with 18 carries, 62 yards, and that touchdown. Allen Robinson was the leading receiver for reception, 41 yards. Mr. Trubisky, a very pedestrian game for him, 16 for 27, 120 yards. You know, it was a game where the Bears just went in and say, like, okay, you know, we could keep this game low scoring and let's just get, you know, a W on the board. So now we got that W. Our next test will be the Washington Redskins, where we'll face a Redskins team that gave up 31 points to the Dallas Cowboys, who is on fire. Dak Prescott is on fire, and I'll get to them next. And that's for the Denver Broncos. The Denver Broncos, Joe Flacco went 35 for 50, which is 70% completion rate, with 292 yards, one touchdown, and an interception. The interception was thrown in the red zone, uh, intercepted by Kyle Fuller, who later gave up a touchdown to Emmanuel Sanders that will have eventually put the Broncos up after a two-point conversion. Royce Freeman was getting very good yardage, particularly in the fourth quarter. He ended up with 11 carries, 54 yards, and he was um, very exceptional in the passing game. He had like three, four catches. He looked like he's going to take some snaps away from Philip Lindsay, who didn't do much for a second straight game, 13 carries, 36 yards. Then Emmanuel Sanders had finished off the game, leading both teams in reception and yards with 11 catches, 98 yards, and a touchdown. And going to next week game for the Bears, the Bears guys continue to find that difference maker, that playmaker. I know he was going against a stout, big Vangio Broncos defense. And for the next week, I think, since we got that W under our belt now, we could open up the playbook a little bit more. We could, like, get Taylor Gabriel and Anthony Miller more involved. I like Adam Shaheen as a big tight end. I think you get him going a little bit early, he'll be a difference maker and open up things for the receivers on the outside because he's such a big target in the middle. And it's a progress. It's going to be a progress for the Bears' offense. Because Matt Nagy, as a first-year head coach last season, um, I didn't think he necessarily catch everybody off guard, but I think he had overachieved expectation with Mitchell Trubisky. And Mitchell Trubisky 
is a good NFL quarterback. He could throw the ball. He's a starting quarterback. And he's not like the past starting quarterbacks that we know in the past for the Chicago Bears. And he showed he could be clutch. He did versus the Eagles in the playoffs. Unfortunately, you know, Cody Parkey missed the 43-yard field goal. And he did it again yesterday. He's very capable. He could do it. It's just we need to focus on consistency. And that's what the Bears need to focus on on the offense end to be consistent. And Dave Montgomery is going to be fine. Dave Montgomery is going to break a lot of tackle. He's going to you know, do you know, a lot of hard work for the Bears. He's going to be our bell cow. He's going to take some snaps away from Tariq Cohen once we get him more acclimated in a passing game because he showed that he could uh, he could be a, a good pass catcher coming out the backfield. So, our next opponent, as I mentioned, is the Washington Redskins. And the Washington Redskins lost to the Dallas Cowboys 31-21 in their home opener. The Cowboys, led by Dak Prescott, Dak Prescott had threw three touchdowns. One pick, ran for 69 yards, completed 26 of 30 of his passes for 270 yards, which is elite. Ezekiel Elliott did what Ezekiel Elliott does, closed out the game. He had 23 carries, 111 yards, a touchdown. And Devin Smith, I didn't know who he was at first till they say he was a former Buckeye. And I'm like, oh, wow, I thought he was out the league. But he had two ACL injuries in his first few years in the league, and now he's back healthy. And he's another weapon that nobody wasn't, nobody didn't account for. He's another weapon on this Cowboys offense, along with Michael Gallup and Amari Cooper. So the Cowboys, you know, started off the season 2-0. They had two favorable matches, matchups. And then next week matchup is definitely favorable, so expect them to be three and zero. And you just see the Cowboys are being very balanced on offense. Dak Prescott, twenty six of thirty, as I mentioned, you know he only found Amari Cooper four times for forty four yards, including a touchdown. Michael Gallup had a pretty decent game, but left the game with a knee injury. He had six catches, sixty eight yards. Devin Smith. Got open off of a blow cover by the safety. The safety had took the crosser while Devin Smith um, on a, it's not a skinny post, but it's a deep post route, which left Josh Norman on the island by himself. And that Prescott capitalized off of it. For the Redskins, Adrian Peterson got his first start after being a healthy scratch in week one. Got an early touchdown, but since the Cowboys was up by so many points, the Redskins was forced to drop back and pass the ball more. So it left Adrian Peterson um, ineffective. Uh, Terry McLaurin finished off with another touchdown. He got two touchdowns and a touchdown back-to-back games, rather, for Terry McLaurin to start off his NFL career. He ended up with five receptions, 62 yards, one touchdown. The The Cowboys are being teams that they are supposed to be. They are looking good right now. They um, look like to be the favorite in the NFC East. Actually, I did pick the Cowboys to win the NFC East with Ezekiel Elliott. But if Ezekiel Elliott was not to come back, then it would have been the Philadelphia Eagles. And I'll get to the Eagles right after this. But the Cowboys, you know, looking real good. Dak Prescott motivated to get a new contract. Not only to get a new contract, but to have people put respect on his name as a more than more than capable passer in this Cowboys offense. You know, he have all the weapons. He got Ezekiel Elliott, and he has a great offensive line. And that's all 
that we need to continue to do is continue to go out there each and every game. You know, don't try and do too much. Just capitalize, you know, off what the defense give you. And, you know, take shots. You got, you know, big play receivers and Mari Cooper, Michael Gallup, and now Devin Smith. So Devin Smith is going to be on the scouting report going forward this season, most definitely. So it's going to be, you know, very exciting uh, season for the Cowboys fans moving forward. Next up, we want to talk about the Sunday night game, which was the Atlanta Falcons and the Philadelphia Eagles. It was an ugly game. Let's just be fair about that. Um, Atlanta should have blown out Philadelphia because Carson Wentz lost two of his big weapons in Alshon Jeffrey and Deshaun Jackson. It was down to Nelson Aguilar, Zach Ertz, which is very dependable, and Mac Hollins. Mac Hollins and JJ Arcega Whiteside. Now, this game started off with a field goal by Matt Bryant, put the Falcons up 3 0 in the first quarter, and then second quarter, a field goal by Jake Elliott. Then the first touchdown of the game by either side was a 34-yard pass to Calvin Ridley from Matt Ryan. Then time in the first half with a Jake Elliott field goal. Halftime, 10-6 Atlanta. Third quarter, Julio Jones had a four-yard touchdown pass from Matt Ryan to put the Falcons up 17-6. And this way, I thought the Falcons was just going to just breeze through and blow out the Eagles. But however, Carson Wentz drove down the field late in the third quarter. A four-yard touchdown pass to Nelson Aguilar. They had failed a two-point conversion. Then in the fourth quarter, Carson Wentz put the Eagles up with a one-yard run. Well, yeah, one-yard run to put the Eagles up 18-17. They went for two points and converted with a Carson Wentz pass to Zach Ertz. And the big game winner was an audible call on fourth down. It was fourth down and three on the Atlanta Falcons territory. Matt Ryan had audible a play. He saw that the Eagles was going to go with an all-out blitz. They called a wide receiver screen and you cannot execute this play any better than what the Falcons had done. And get credit to big Jake Matthews, the son of Hall of Famer Bruce Matthews, with a big time pancake to get Julio and let him fly for a 54 yard touchdown pass. The Eagles had their chance. The Eagles had a chance to steal this game. Carson Wentz, after that um, possession where Julio Jones scored the go ahead. Touchdown. Carson Wentz threw a perfect pass down the sideline to Nelson Aguilar. Nobody was around, and Aguilar just dropped the ball. It's not like he took his eyes off the ball. He looked the ball right into his hands and just dropped it. That's something I, I can't explain to you. Nobody can explain why he just dropped that pass. But that was a go-ahead touchdown that got put the Eagles on top for good. He kind of made up for it later on a four-down play where it was four-down 14. Carson Wentz basically threw a, a floater, a prayer up there, and Aguilar was, you know, nearly by himself and made a spectacular catch to keep the drive going. Then on fourth down and eight in the red zone, Zach Ertz did run his route deep enough, caught the ball, only got seven and a half yards. And it was just short of the first down. And that was a ball game right there, ladies and gentlemen. And that game, like I said, was very sloppy. You know, Matt Ryan was off to a pretty good start. Then he would start throwing dumb passes. You know, up and dubbing a triple coverage and throwing floaters. He was doing a great job attacking Ronald Darby. Which, if I was the Eagles fans, I would very be concerned about our defense. Because Ronald Darby is sure number one corner, and they went after this guy, not with just Julio Jones, but a lot of time with Calvin Ridley, and he got burnt quite a bit. 
I think um, the uh, opposition had caught 10 passes for over 160, 170. It was a you know terrible game for Ronald Darby, and he looks to improve on that when they face the Detroit Lions next week. An inconsistent game for Matt Ryan. Matt Ryan has not been the same since he gave, I want to say he gave up a 25-point lead to the Patriots, but ever since that Super Bowl loss, He's had been very inconsistent and looked like he's going to give away this game again. <laughs> and like, okay, that's what Matt Ryan's being known for now is giving away games. And like He threw three touchdowns and he threw three interceptions. They have so many weapons on that Atlanta offense, but what I will be concerned about for Atlanta, I will be very concerned about their running game. Devontae Freeman looks slow. Let's call it what it is. Like he's still effective, but he's very slow. So hopefully, later down this season, he could build up his strength and gain some of his quickness, his speed back. But he's slow. You know, Nelson Aguilar, he filled in very well for Alshon Jeffrey and Deshaun Jackson. He finished with a reception, 107 yards, a touchdown. But... When counting the most, he should have made that play and should have put his team on top late in the fourth quarter. Perfect pass by Carson Wentz. And Carson Wentz, that offensive line did not really help him out. You can make a case that he had held on to the ball a little bit longer than he should have on many possessions. However, when counting the most, he was a big-time competitor. And he got his team in position to win the game. But he too needs to learn how to stop taking so many gambles and put his team in, you know, bad situation. So once again, that offensive line did not help him much last night. And he took so many hits where Josh McCall had came in for a few plays in, late in the second quarter during the two-minute drill and, you know, played in Carson Wentz's absence while Carson Wentz was in, in concussion protocol. So both teams got a lot of work to do. Um, Atlanta defense looked really good, particularly the front seven. Uh, the linebackers was very good in covering the receivers and um, running backs. I was very impressed by that. I think they had, you know, switch up their defense. They was running a 4-6 defense versus Minnesota, which they do not have a personnel to run that type of defense. And I think they went back to a standard 4-3 or 4-2-5 with a nick corner and played much better and much faster on defense. So, you know, Philadelphia... They will be back at home versus Detroit, who's coming off a big-time upset at home over the Los Angeles Chargers. And the Atlanta Falcons will be on the road versus the Indianapolis Colts, who coming off a big road win over the Tennessee Titans. And ladies and gentlemen, we move on to... One of the big exciting games of the day was the Baltimore Ravens at home versus the Arizona Cardinals. Lamar Jackson, he got next. I'll let you know that right now. He got next, and his ceiling is much higher than Michael Vick. He got the height. He got the arm strength. And he got the legs with more nifty moves. He got more nifty moves than Michael Vick. Just because he's much longer. He much, you know, got more height on him. And Lamar Jackson, I think, it, I don't know how to look this up. I think he got to be like the first player to have, you know, over 270 yards passing and 120 rushing yards. Mar Jackson finished the day with 24-37, 272 yards, two touchdowns. Led the team in rushing with 16 carries, 120 yards. 
His favorite tar- his favorite target is Mark Andrews. A reception, 112 yards with a touchdown. Cal Murray, you look at his end game stat. He went 25 and 40, 349 yards. No run game to be accounted for. David Johnson, you know, only had seven carries, 14 yards, including a one-yard touchdown run. Christian Kirk was the leading receiver with six receptions, 114 yards. The game was, you know, electrifying. Um, Lamar Jackson came out the gate throwing dimes to Hollywood Brown and to Mark Andrew for a 27-yard touchdown pass. The play calling... Play calling was very exceptional. Give credit to Greg Roman, who had the similar quarterback and Colin Kaepernick when he was the offense coordinator for the 49ers. And this guy, Lamar Jackson, just, you know, he's, I don't know if he have a better arm than Colin Kaepernick. I think you have to give Colin Kaepernick one notch up. But he's, Definitely more elusive than Colin Kaepernick. Lamar Jackson is the real deal, and he put the work in the offseason, as you could tell, and he has so much confidence in throwing the, the uh, football. Again, many old school vets may not like his mechanics, but he get the ball there, and he get the ball with perfect spiral and zip. And the play that he had made to Hollywood Brown towards the end of the fourth quarter was perfect. It was clutch. And that's what you want to see in Lamar Jackson growth. Now, as far as Kyler Murray, his stats were garbage time stats. No interception, no touchdown pass, 349 yards. Kyler Murray had talent. But that team just is horrible, and it's not gonna it's not gonna help build up what Kyler Murray is really projected to be. It's not. And I think you know the defense, you know, pretty did a good job, particularly in the second half. In the second half, the defense did a great job, keep the team in the game, and for Cliff Kingsbury. He was going up against a good Ravens defense on the road, on the East Coast. But however, though, um, his offensive game plan is not working against his NFL defense. And as I mentioned in one of my early podcasts, that defense coordinators are going to be more motivated than ever every time they face the Arizona Cardinals. If you got the Arizona Cardinals on your schedule this year, coaches are motivated, defense coaches are motivated to get their hands on that so-called high-powered air raid offense. And next up for the Cardinals will be the Carolina Panthers. Carolina Panthers will travel to Arizona to face the Cardinals, Kyler Murray in that air raid offense. And you think Ron Rivera from the 85 Bears going to let that offense just put up points and, you know, get big plays after big plays off of trickery? No, <laughs> that's not happening. And Kim Newton, look like he's on his last legs, is trying to prove something. And I think this will be a very easy win for the Panthers next week as they try and get back on track after losing at home to the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. And for the um, Baltimore Ravens, I think the game of the week will be the Ravens and the Chiefs. Lamar Jackson, much more improved versus the next young talent, Patrick Mahomes. And that game going to be a very high-scoring game, I believe. But I think, of course, the Ravens' defense is much better. Now, can Lamar Jackson go in the shootout versus somebody like the Kansas City Chiefs? We shall see next week. 
And that would be a great test for Lamar Jackson and see his development and where he's at. Now, Lamar Jackson is able to perform in a shootout. Then Ravens are a scary team, particularly in the playoffs. So we shall see how that will turn out. Other games, Texans outlast um, the Jaguars, 13-12. Doug Marone went for a two-point conversion after Gardner Minshew had found DJ Chark in the end zone late in the fourth quarter. And the Jaguars were not successful. They called a run play to Leonard Fournette. I don't have no problem with that call. But Fournette was just inches short of the goal line. And the Houston, Texas has survived. The Chiefs took care of the Raiders, obviously. You know, the big second quarter, they put up 28 points. Patrick Mahomes, that, that accuracy is just, it's just something else. And that what, it, that what Aaron Rodgers was looking like when Aaron Rodgers had first stepped on the scene as starting quarterback for the Packers. Like, no matter how much your receivers is covered, that ball some way, somehow just man right between the numbers. And it's it just ridiculous. It's mind-blowing. And Demarcus Robinson stepped up for Tyreek Hill. Had a big-time game with six reception, 172 yards, and two touchdowns. Um, you know, the Seahawks and the Steelers. I'll get to that a little bit later. Talk about being Roethlisberger injury. The Bills have beat the Giants. Some people want to say that's an upset. That's definitely not an upset. The Giants are just terrible. You know, the Bills are 2-0. They actually, you know, stole a game on the road at New York. The Jets, particularly. And they just dominate a team that they are better than in the New York Giants. Um, just as I mentioned before, the Colts and the Titans, the Colts, uh, came up with a big time road victory, nineteen to seventeen. The Packers took care of business at home, twenty one sixteen. Uh, the offense was looking good in the first half. Then the Minnesota defense finally woke up in the second half, and the eighty four million dollar man, Kirk Cousin, that's probably the worst eighty four million dollars the Minnesota Vikings had ever spent. When watching that game, that Kirk Cousin has the weapons in his possession, but you know, again, making dumb plays after dumb plays. And cost his team the game. The 49ers went on the road to Cincinnati and handled the Bengals. The 49ers are a team to watch, most definitely. And they should be in a wild card conversation. In all honesty, they beat the Bengals 41-17. The Lions, as I mentioned, had upset the Chargers at home 13-10. My Patricia defense looks much better from the beginning to the end compared to last weekend versus the Cardinals where the defense just basically took their foot off the, off the pedal and let the uh, rookie Kyle Murray come back and tie the game in his first career NFL game. And the Patriots, of course, took care of the high school JV Miami Dolphins team. 43-0, Antonio Brown. In his first game with the Patriots, caught four passes, 56 yards, including a touchdown. You know, Brown, you know, show up, play well in front of his hometown fans, which Antonio Brown is from Miami. And the Patriots did what they supposed to have done. So there's no storyline to that. I mean, the Patriots are the Patriots. They don't play down to their level of competition. And... Last not last but not least, really, the Rams defeat the Saints twenty-seven to nine at home. Tiger looking a little bit much better. Cooper Cup is back, much needed for Jerry Goff. Brandon Cook is a big time playmaker, and Robert Woods is a very dependable possession receiver who could also beat you down the field. And for the New Orleans Saints, they lost Drew Brees early in the first quarter and Drew Brees will be undergoing a thumb surgery and will expect to miss six weeks.
And for the Saints fans, that is not good at all. Particularly in a game where the defense was getting after Jerry Goff, then it looked like the momentum had changed once Jerry Goff did fumble the ball and the ref had blew the play dead, which cost Cameron Jordan his 86-yard run back for a touchdown. And Bridgewater came in, did what he could do. He didn't turn the ball over. He went 17 for 30, 165 yards. Alvin Kamara was uh, a non-factor, 13 carries for 45 yards. Michael Thomas had 10 catches for 89 yards. Kuba Kuffa, who I mentioned, had five catches for 120 yards, who had a near 67-yard touchdown catch, excuse me, but was called back. And he was down at the one-yard line. Todd Gurley, who I mentioned, looks pretty much better. He only finished the game with 16 carries, 63 yards a touchdown. And Jerry Goff had a solid game, 19 for 28, 283 yards, and one touchdown. And it's getting ridiculous, really, with these um, NFL referees. Now, you have been instructed to not blow a play dead. And let the play ride out. And this is the reason why we have instant replay. reason why we have reviews. So we could get the play call correct. But in that situation, since the referee had rule and incompletion and blew the play dead, they cannot go back and give Cameron Jordan the um, touchdown. And that's messed up, man. That read will change the momentum of the game. Now, it was in the second quarter, and you could say that the Saints have, you know, other opportunities to win the game, of course, but that was just, you know, a momentum breaker. And that does something mentally to players. And that's why I always put it on the players to not let the reps get in charge of the game. You got to take control of the game. But in this instance, there was no control at all for the Saints with that blown call. It was a terrible call. Yes, it was plenty of game left, but I mean, it, too many mistakes. Too many mistakes by NFL referees. Just referees in general in all three major sports. And Yes, I know people want to sit here and talk about conspiracy, but I do have you wondering, is that, okay, what's the motive for a lot of these blown calls? Like, you guys are professional referees. There are many referees throughout the country, throughout this world, who are not in professional sports. But, man, they could make better calls than a lot of these professional referees in particularly the three major sports, which is basketball, football, and baseball, which baseball are called umpires. Something that was interesting that Skip Bates has said when he had a debate with Jerry Jones about how the NFL, they like the human element of the, um, of the game, of the nature of refereeing. Because it bring in more attention. It'll make their brand much more bigger. It get people talking about controversial plays. But that's not a fun topic to talk about, really. It's not. And for the fans who teams that benefit off of it, yeah, it feel good until it happens to you. Then you go so here be roaring and cussing and you know want to break your TV <laughs> or remote and or remote and so like we just want consistency and we just want these guys to just get it right get it right the first time but some of these calls man it's like you on the field and I'm watching you know from my living room and I clearly see that you have blown a call and I understand how somebody that's up close in front of action you know blow a call like that not just only blow a call you know from the standpoint of did they actually receive the play? Did they actually receive the quarterback arm going forward? 
But from the standpoint of you were instructed, you were told not to blow a play dead and let the play, you know, let the play just go until the very end so you could review the play. And that didn't happen. And for the Saints fans, you lose Drew Brees for six weeks. Drew Brees, many thought this would be his last year. And the Saints are in trouble. Not saying that Terry Teddy Bridgewater cannot play quarterback. He can play quarterback, but it's not gonna be the same. Not gonna be the same. So the Saints gonna have to beat teams that they should be, but their schedule is not it's not it's not an easy schedule at all for the young Saints. Their next six games for the Saints. I'm pulling it up right now. The Saints. Next up, they got the Seahawks. They losing they losing on the road to Seattle. After that, they at home versus the Cowboys. And I think Cowboys are a very talented team for many reasons I had mentioned earlier. I think the Cowboys will win that game. They got a favorable matchup versus division rival Tampa Bay Buccaneers at home. They will face the Jaguars on the road. That's not going to be an easy win. Jaguars, I believe, should play some good defense. And they will face the Bears on the road in Chicago. And let me see. The Cardinals, maybe Drew, maybe Drew Brees will return for the Arizona Cardinals game. But however, if he don't return, it'll still be a favorable matchup for the Saints versus the Arizona Cardinals. Then they will have a bye week the next week to get ready to face the Saints at home. And that's when definitely you can expect Drew Brees to return. Moving on. Ben Roethlisberger left the game in the second quarter with an elbow injury. He will have surgery and miss the remainder of the season. The Pittsburgh Steelers went down 28-26 to the Seattle Seahawks. Seattle Seahawks played a good game. You know, they are a West Coast team that went to the East Coast, played an early game, and... Russell Wilson played a perfect game, really. Russell Wilson, 29-35 for 300 yards, three touchdowns. Rashad Penny got things going on the running game. He finished off with 10 carries, 62 yards, and one touchdown. And you will see more touches by Rashad Penny because Chris Carson had thrown the ball twice. And that's kind of been an issue for Chris Carson in his early career. Tyler Lockett, K-State alone, 10 catches for 79 yards. And D.K. McCaff, um, the outstanding rookie from Ole Miss, had caught another touchdown pass in his early career. He finished the game with three catches, 61 yards, and a touchdown. And Will Disley, if he could be another weapon for Russell Wilson and this um, very shallow depth of receivers the Seahawks have, the Seahawks will be uh, a threat, a big-time threat in the NFC West. Will Disney have finished with five catches, 50 yards, and two touchdowns. So he's in favor with Russell Wilson. And I just want to talk about the Pittsburgh Steelers. That defense still look trash. Mike Tomlin, once again, is the reason why he should be on the hot seat. You have built your career as a defensive coach. The last three, four years, your defense had underperformed. And their number one receiver for the Seattle Seahawks is Tyler Lockett. No disrespect, I love Tyler Lockett. We went to school together. I love Tyler Lockett. And he's a good receiver, but he's not the prototypical number one receiver. And he ended up with 10 catches, 
DK McCaff got into the end zone on a 28-yard touchdown catch. Will Disley get behind all the linebackers? They then took him seriously, obviously, and he got two touchdown catches. And like the defense is the secondary particularly is bad. And that's what, yeah, that's what Mike Tillman had coach. He had coach the secondary while he was with Tampa. Now, the front seven did a great job. Steven Tua had got three sacks early on in the game. And I'm like, okay, let's still a defense, the front seven. Looking really pretty good out there. I see them. But the secondary is bad. It has been bad for four or five years, ever since... I would say Ike Taylor had left. That just has been God awful. And Russell Wilson, as I mentioned, had a perfect game, really. Only six incompletion, 129 to 35, 300 yards, three touchdowns. That's a perfect game for a quarterback. Now, Mason Rudolph, he came in in the relief for Big Ben. And for the Steelers fans, this is something they should be excited for because in the 2017 draft, I believe, Mason Rudolph was drafted. He was drafted in 2017. I always thought he was the second best quarterback. I thought he was the second best quarterback in that draft. And yes, he played in the Big 12. He played at Oklahoma State. Put up good numbers for Oklahoma State. But I knew that he had starting quarterback potential in the NFL. I always knew that. And this is a guy where the Steelers locker room and also the Steelers fans should rally around. Mason Rudolph has shown some he has shown some real good plays in this game, particularly a screen pass to the tight end, which was blown up at first, but he hang on to the play and improvised with a sidearm throw to Vance McDonald's for a touchdown that got the Steelers within distance of the Seattle Seahawks. It's him and Juju Smith-Schuster, they connect on a 48-yard reception. I think those two, they're going to build a good chemistry. I think their chemistry is going to be a little bit more effective than Ben Roethlisberger and Smith Schuster. And honestly, I think so because I think a lot of times Juju Smith Schuster had benefited off of an offensive system that had featured Antonio Brown. Now, Smith-Schuster is the undoubtedly unquestionable number one receiver for this Steelers team. I think with a young quarterback such as Mason Rudolph, he will feel much more comfortable and I think will have less pressure on him to go out there and perform. Because now the Steelers, there's no expectations for them. In the AFC North, the AFC North is going to be won by the Baltimore Ravens. And speaking of the AFC North in my transition, we got the Cleveland Browns on the road versus the New York Jets. Now, this is a very winnable game for the Browns. However, the Jets' defense are a top 10 defense, maybe top 5. And I think it's going to be a real low-scoring game. I think they're going to get after Baker Mayfield because Baker talked too much over the offseason. And I think every top defensive team, such as the Jets, are going to get at him, definitely. And Odell Beckham, you know, being a little crybaby and, you know, trying to want the refs to watch out for, you know, the headhunter, which is Greg Williams and his defense. And Jamal Adams is not having that. Jamal Adams, which is the 
safety for the New York Jets. He's not having that. And they're going to pump Odell Beckham. So, no question that the Browns are much more talented than the New York Jets. But this is a game where I feel it's going to be low scoring. And I think the Jets are going to win at home. Even without Sam Darnold, Trevor Simeon, I know people say like who? Said Trevor Simeon had started um, about 10, I would say like 10, 12 games for the Denver Broncos back in 2017. And he did all right. He did okay. I mean, it was a lot to ask for him after Peyton Manning had retired. But Adam Gay's offense before, he's very understanding of what Adam Gaze want him to do. Even though I call Adam Gaze an overrated head coach, an overrated offense coordinator, but somebody that's familiar with the system, that is a plus for them. And I think the Jets would edge the Browns tonight on ESPN at 8.15. So, that's my time, everybody. Very animated, very exciting football Sunday. Hope we get some good football tonight. Good defensive football game because that's what it's going to be. You can find this podcast on Google, on Overcast, on Apple, and Spotify, and also on Anchor. You can find me on Twitter. My Twitter name is at DocForReal.doc, the number four. Real, and I will get back to you guys soon. And we're gonna talk about the Thursday night game, which is gonna be another ugly game, and the Tennessee Titans versus the Jacksonville Jaguars. Jacksonville Jaguars at home, and I already predict Jacksonville is gonna beat the Titans at home. But yes. This is my time, everybody. You guys, you know, stay blessed. Be peaceful. Be courtesy to everybody and each other. I'm out of here. Peace.